0: Welcome to Let's Talk. Here we will focus on the hustle, the juggle, and everyday struggle of small business. About their everyday struggles, stresses, and ways they have been able to overcome the challenges of running their business. We welcome questions and comments, so please feel free to email us at admin at We hope you enjoy, and above all, we hope it helps. Welcome to the hustle, juggle, and struggle of small business. Today we have in our studio Mr. Vic Malloy. Hey Vic, welcome back.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me back. I appreciate it.
0: No doubt. Hey, COVID has probably created more of a firestorm for your industry than ever before. So since we were in the studio, what, about a year ago, year and a half ago, about?
1: It's crazy. Um, I think the last time you and I uh, had the opportunity to be face-to-face yeah. in the studio was right before uh, the lockdown. Mm. So we had just completed our annual San Antonio Mayor's Cup, recognizing high school students who competed in the Cyber Patriot Program.
0: Yeah,
1: And we had an in-person event. Uh, yeah, we had over 600 people, Woo-hoo. and it was that uh, leap day uh, year mm-hmm. uh, in February. And unfortunately, uh, we've now lived with the aftermath of this pandemic, yeah, protests, yeah. politics, and all kinds of other problems and opportunities. But yes.
0: Well, let's talk a little bit about the, the cybersecurity issue, because, you know, it was prevalent and predominant. Prior to COVID, I'm sure it's escalated in many different ways now. But as a small business owner coming out of this, what are some of the things that they need to look for, be aware of? Um, certain things I know have changed, obviously. But talk about what you know they need to be looking for now, quote unquote, post COVID or since things are starting to open up again.
1: Well, what happened after COVID and the lockdown? we were forced to take what we were gonna do over a decade and compress that down to a matter of months, which is this concept of remote work. So in the past where we had a large reliance upon brick and mortar, large companies, the world and as we knew it before COVID uh, was collapsed to a remote workforce uh, construct. So when you're in this remote work construct, you're now having to depend upon cloud-based services. So cloud-based services is just simply, it's not a reliance upon infrastructure that you as an individual may own or have physical access to, but is it a dependency upon remote distributed computing capabilities, storage capabilities, web services Client relation management, identity access management, human resources, everything. So whereas in the past you had all these things organic within a large business or even in a small business, now you had to uh, rely upon web-based access, cloud-based services, and quite frankly, a lot of uh, uncertainty and exposure to threats that were normally uh, dealt with um, from a corporate perspective Mm. of looking at services or appliances or solutions that would protect a business owner, that would protect a company uh, and their employees. So now, you as a business owner, uh, you need to run your own updates on your, believe it or not, web browser. Uh, If you're not keeping your web browser up to date, you're leaving yourself wide open because that's your your window to the world and how you connect with your Internet service provider and get that connection to those distributed assets and resources. So if that website or that web browser uh, has not been updated, there are vulnerabilities, there are threats that are uh, prevalent because of the ability for someone to gain unauthorized access to your information, unauthorized access to your endpoint device and information can be released and it's just a lot more challenging.
0: Undoubtedly, and for some business owners who never even knew the cloud existed other than the one that brings rain,
1: right. this has
0: definitely been traumatic for them. They've had to literally, some of them learn on the fly or either call in a millennial that would have a little more savvy in that space. Well, having the savvy in that space of how to access it does not necessarily um, – preclude them from having the knowledge of security of accessing that. So let's talk a little bit about some of the proactive things that a business owner could do to help protect themselves now that they're in this uh, cloud-based environment.
1: Well, as i stated before in previous sessions with you, uh, there are two types of people in the world, uh, folks who have been impacted by a compromise and folks who will be improm- impacted by a compromise. And unfortunately, we're dealing with uh, the after effects of Hurricane Ida. Correct. So if you can think in those terms of a natural disaster and how it comes in and disrupts your ability to connect, communicate, transport, and be involved in day-to-day commerce and just, you know, getting around, it's the exact same thing in, cy- in cyberspace. So you have to protect yourself. And the first thing you do is back up. And you need to make sure that all of your critical information, all of your critical applications, are readily accessible to where you have it on a uh, a storage device, uh, and it's something that you hold. Now, yes, you do have the capacity to have access to cloud-based backup, but if the, that cloud service or that or your internet service provider impacted and you need to get to your applications or your information and the systems are down
0: and you have no electricity you
1: have no electricity and you have a generator but you have no you know you know no no uh c- connectivity it's always good to know that you have a a solid backup on hand and even more recently uh it was the it was disclosed that there is now a new vulnerability that when you connect your backup devices to the to your uh, endpoints or to your system, and your system is connected to the internet, there is a vulnerability that's been circulating that will now wipe your backup device. Ooh. So that's the sophistication and the danger that's going on. So, the advice from the Department of Homeland Security and the Center Cybersecurity uh, for Infrastructure for Security uh, and Agency, CISA, is to disconnect all of your devices. Uh, from the internet and then do the backup offline and then reconnect and then disconnect your, your storage device. Mm-hmm. Then that way you, you're protected because right now there, there is no workaround, uh, to protect your offline storage device. And once again, updates, uh, it's important that if you're still, unfortunately, a, a business owner and, and you're using Windows 7, uh, <laughs> let's just say that uh you're leaving yourself wide open to no support from Microsoft you're leaving yourself wide open to vulnerabilities that have not been patched and and you may think that it doesn't exist, but if you're a tire shop, you're thinking well I'm just putting tires on this car, but if you're running ordering systems and invoices on a an operating system that's no longer supported, you're vulnerable, and can you sustain the impact of losing? Uh, access to your invoicing system, your payment system, your email and all that kind of stuff if you're on an outdated window operating system. So that's just an extreme example unfortunately it still exists.
0: True enough and just the mere fact of knowing now that there's a vulnerability of having your backup wiped clean when you connect that's scary in itself because for me personally i have a tetra hard drive right. that's portable so i can take it with me wherever i go and just the mere thought of it being wiped out when i had to compile 15 thumb drives to that one right. tetra drive and i'm like now what do i do where's my 15 hard drives or thumb drives exactly you know, and this's exactly. been updated since I put that information on there because those thumb drives don't have the new info right so it's almost like I like that advice disconnect your endpoint device from the internet
1: while you do the backup
0: while you do the backup
1: and then unplug that backup device mm-hmm. and then reconnect back to the internet and then resume normal operations as you would normally do that right uh one other bit of advice that we always like to let uh uh, small entrepreneurs, micro-business owners know, is to run a uh, restoral from that backup. Mm. Because sometimes, you know, you can say, well, I've got my applications, I've got my information, and I haven't done a restoral. They may be from corrupt files on there, or it may not restore properly. So it's a good practice to, at least once a year, twice a year, you know, attempt to run a backup, a restoral from your backup, to ensure that your backup is good, mm-hmm. because it does no does you no good if you said, "Well, I've been doing backups, I've been doing backups," and and then you go to try to re- retrieve it and you're you're unsuccessful.
0: True enough, you know I use that when you say twice a year, I take the times where times goes forward, time goes backwards. I changed my uh, smoke change detector batteries. Right. And now I'm have to do my restorative backup and right. that same time. Let me just make a list. Right. You know, fall forward, no, fall back spring forward. Let me exactly. just make a list. Right. Okay. Because we realize now that the world is smaller because yes. of this connectivity. Yes. And the challenge always is protecting the data That you have. I mean, we've seen in the past few years the breaches that have occurred in major industries, major companies, our federal government even, that has been challenging to us is like, who do we trust? Do I even want to use my credit card? Or do I want to use my debit card? But how can a small owner like, okay, if the big boys got corrupted, what can I do to put in place? Let's talk a little bit about some of the tools that a small business owner can use.
1: Well, a lot of what they can do, I would say, is is more up here in the brain and just staying aware. Awareness is, is probably the first step. Um, a lot of people think you have to go out and buy a lot of um, applications, and those applications are good. Um, but it's really about staying abreast of when a vulnerability is disclosed. So let's take the Microsoft Exchange vulnerability, for example. Uh, it was disclosed Subsequently, that this was a purposeful attack by a nation state. Uh, that nation state was China. Uh, we did identify four individuals who were directly tied to making exploitation of those vulnerabilities as they existed because the Mi- Microsoft Exchange vulnerability is tied to what? Your email. Correct. So if you weren't making the updates, to patch your Microsoft Exchange enterprise service deployment, you were making your entire business construct and our residential, commercial, everything was at risk. So much so that three months after the vulnerability was announced and needed to be fixed, the Department of Justice sought a um, a, a court order from the Federal Bureau of Bureau of Investigation to proactively go out and patch systems that were still left vulnerable. And these were cities, these were schools, these were major companies and corporations.
0: They didn't take it seriously, did they? Did
1: not take it seriously. Uh, But after 90 days, uh, the nature of that threat was such that um, a court order was sought by the Federal Bureau of Investigation to go out and actively fix that. But, you know, you can't always rely on the government, you know, to actually, you know, do that on your behalf. So it's very important that when alerts are issued, when advisories are issued um, and they're widely publicized, um, it's important for you to take action and not just, you know, throw it off for someone else to do. True
0: enough. True enough. And the challenge always is. It's always interruptive and disruptive when it pops up. I know for me, frustration pops in. What do you mean you're about to restart my computer? What do you mean you need to update it? I'm in the middle of something. True enough, it is disruptive and interruptive. But the cost that it can save you versus you like, oh, I'll just blow it off. And all of a sudden you can't find anything. You don't remember what's on there. And then you're ransomware or you're locked or anything's erased. You turn it on, you get the blue screen of death.
1: Right. (laughs) Right. And, and you know, and I'm going to go ahead and self-incriminate. Uh, I've now got a warning on my screen that when I turn on that I have a situation with my hard drive. So I have a backup, mm-hmm. but I haven't gone through the diagnostics in order to remediate. Yes, I'm a information security professional, but, you know, preaching to myself. Uh, I need to address that and and make sure that because I'm overly confident because I know I've got a backup and I can just restore and and run on with a new uh, device. Mm -hmm. But when you get those notices and a lot of times you get them and you just ignore them, um, eventually you'll pay the price. So preventative maintenance uh, goes a long, long way from long-term disruption and loss of reputation, loss of business, loss of revenue as a result of the fact that If you're having to deal with an incident, now you're having to uh, get somebody that's a forensic specialist to come in and possibly try to restore your system. Hopefully, uh, you have cybersecurity insurance and you've worked with your cybersecurity uh, insurance provider to work through that process of what measures that you have taken in order to mitigate the risk so that can help you lower your premiums, and then look at other ways of, you know, how you can better uh, prepare yourself to transfer that risk when the incident happens, because it's going to happen. Wow. And uh, it's important to have that conversation with your insurance provider. Also uh, with the Kaseya breach. So Kaseya is a managed service provider whose primary job was to do what? To be your IT uh, professional in a box. Mm. And they, as a result of um, a vulnerability, were compromised by a ransomware attack. And that ransomware attack, while they really can't fully um, point the finger, but it was because their clients still had uh, obsolete accounts or inactive accounts. So that's how they were able to navigate in Mm -hmm. and gain unauthorized access and be successful with their ransomware attack. So even as a consumer, even as a user of a managed service provider's asset and tool, you have to follow their checklist. You have to follow their plans so that you can be protected. Um, Unfortunately, I think what happens is a lot of times people will invest in a cybersecurity solution and they think of it like the Ronco thing of set and forget mm. and unfortunately if that's your mentality then you need to shift that thinking In that it is a continuous vigilance always being mindful of what if this what if this what and and think through that process of how are you going to um survive and fight through uh that uh, contentious time
0: So we have Chris here and we'd like to talk about your post-COVID business update. What's going on, Chris?
2: Well, think about it as in any life-changing event, you're going to need to sit down with the proper professionals and remind them or let them know what's going on in your current situation. So I always say you need to reconvene with professionals about the reopening to make sure that you refocus and revisit and review all the different items that you had going on. So your business may have changed dramatically over the course of the last 18, 24 months, however long it's been now, and they need to know what's going on. Likewise, you need to know what's going on in their world so they can tell you about any upcoming changes or any changes to their business model. Just make sure you keep everybody in the loop and make sure that everything is being communicated on an open platform.
0: So, Chris, how can we get a hold of you for more information?
2: Well, our main office is in San Antonio Offituity 1 and Bidders. We also have a website, pontemfinancial.com, P-O-N-T-E-M financial.com. And we're also on LinkedIn, Facebook. And, of course, we have a phone, 210-625-4845, to reach out to a member of my team or myself. Thank you, Chris. Chris Hall is a financial advisor and partner with Pontum Financial in San Antonio, Texas. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor. Member FINRA slash SIPC.
0: Disaster preparedness is so necessary now because disasters come in many forms and fashions. They're just not natural hurricanes or natural thunderstorms or things like that. You could have flooding in your place. You could have anything that occurs, and you need a disaster-prepared plan to assist you in getting your mind regulated to go like, okay, what are my next steps? I can't do A, so what's B, C, and D? And a lot of small business owners are so busy making the donuts, they don't think about that prepared plan, that disaster prepared plan. And this Labor Day, this is when this podcast is being created, is an excellent time to take a moment and sit back and go, okay, I need to stop making the donuts and let me look at where am I at in my preparedness for a disaster. And it's not just with your business, it's also with your life as well. But you have to be prepared. So what are some of the components in a disaster prepared plan a business owner should think about?
1: Right. So I would say in addition to this being Labor Day that's coming up, this is also Insider Threat Awareness Month. So um, there are two types of insider threats. There's the intentional and the unintentional. And those are things that you have to account for, and that's people that you're working with yourself. You can be an insider threat by doing something unintentionally that um, allows someone to come in and gain unauthorized access to your account. So one thing you could do unwittingly is if you've administered um, user access to your endpoint devices and let's say you're you're that donut uh, shop owner and the account that you've given your sales admin uh, or your sales clerk to register and ring up sales is a privileged account. That means that they can add, modify and change uh, software. Uh, applications, data, and so forth in your in your business, then that means that they can install software into your environment. And if you haven't trained them or if you have not informed them, that's an unintentional insider threat that you've opened yourself up to. So security awareness training is very important that you provide that to your workforce and you provide that to yourself so that you're very prepared that, yes, phishing is a threat. Bishing is a threat. Smishing is a threat, but it's also, you know, those day-to-day um, operational things that you do with all the expediencies of trying to get things done, mm-hmm. but you have to do things right and do things in a secure fashion. Another thing you want to consider is vendor risk management. So mm-hmm. a lot of times you're, you're dealing with um, partners mm-hmm. who are coming in to help you. Uh, You should go ahead and ask them the question, you know, how has your company uh, prepared itself in the event of an unforeseen uh, disaster or a cyber risk? You know, what is your company's posture and how you protect your information? I always like to replay the whole situation that happened with Target. They were victimized because of the heating and cooling company that was coming into their organization. They weren't patching their systems. So when that heating and cooling company connected to the target system, that allowed that vulnerability or that access point to transition to the points of sales vulnerabilities that were in target. Wow. And then that's how they exfiltrated all of that um, client information. So the target breach wasn't so much a failure of target, which they did have some vulnerabilities that they didn't fix. But it was a result of a relationship of a trusted connection that was allowed into their infrastructure.
0: That's scary. That makes you not want to have nobody in your business connecting to your to your Wi-Fi, to your server, to anything. But the question does beg to be asked, how do you approach a vendor without souring the relationship? You know, it's like, yeah, I've been doing business with you for the past five years and no, I haven't had any problems. But like you said, there are two people in the world, ones who are going to be compromised and one that have been. Businesses are the same way. So how do you approach a vendor? Give us a a, a scenario or verbal something.
1: Really, it should be just a casual conversation and just, you know, talk about how have you survived this recent pandemic? And, you know, and just open up with a dialogue and just let them free flow, express to you what what um, innovation that they've uh, implemented, uh, what uh, ways have they pivoted or modified their business operations. And then that gives you a sense of uh, of where they're at uh, with with regards to how they conduct their business, with resiliency, uh, with backing up, with security, with safety. Um, and and how they operate, and then you can share how you're doing things. And if things are you know amenable, then you may want to explore a vendor risk management uh, acknowledgement to say you acknowledge that you're doing everything that you can to mitigate risk in your organization, and you're following either a a uh, a cybersecurity risk framework or you're following a best practices and international standard, but you're just documenting. Uh, just like you would normally do in a business relationship with terms, conditions that you would have with a a lawyer to say that, you know, I'm doing everything I can, you know, to mitigate risk on my part, to protect you. Mm -hmm. I hope that you would be doing the exact same thing to protect me. Mm -hmm. And then just let it be a formal agreement.
0: Okay. That sounds really good. I want to circle back when you talked about cybersecurity insurance. Yes. That, I have never heard of, and it's not like I know everything because I've right. only been in the business world a few years. No but problem. the thing because becomes, who would have thought that you needed cybersecurity insurance? And are the insurance companies even looking at offering that? How would someone, a business owner, go about finding cybersecurity insurance?
1: Well, you know, Google's your friend. So, <laughs> so, so never, so never under, underestimate the power of Google. But I'll give you a, a story of a medical practice in California. Uh, They had been in practice for over 50 years. And uh, unfortunately they became the victim of ransomware attack. Mm. So uh, their information was, was uh, encrypted and they put a application that restricted the medical owners access to information. He says, well, if you pay me this 50,000, you know, Bitcoin, uh, I will unencrypt the information and then release it back to you. Well, fortunate for them, they did have cyber security insurance, so they were able to negotiate with that um, uh, attacker to make restitution and and pay that uh, that that ransomware. Now, are you a hundred percent sure that they haven't put something else, some other backdoor in your system? No, you're not. But at least they were able to negotiate that and did not have to come out of pocket.
0: Mm-hmm. That
1: could have been potentially disastrous for that company um, as a result of not having that insurance and working with their insurance provider to cover that cost of ransomware attack. But ransomware attacks not only about dealing with the, uh, the actual payment of ransom, which, you know, th- there's two schools of thought. Do you pay the ransom or you don't pay the ransom? It really depends on your particular case. Mm-hmm. If you are in an urgent need and you need to have that information, you know, you may have to go ahead and pay that ransom in order to restore operations and, and be able to make yourself whole with the mindset that I am still operating from a point I am still compromised. Mm-hmm. Don't don't go into the negotiation thinking that you're, you're free and clear. You're going to have to reconstitute yourself mm-hmm. and then discover – Through forensics, and that can that could be uh, uh, afforded through the insurance, is to have a forensics company come in and help you uh, with your restore operations, and do the investigative work and and cover that down for you, and then help you with other privacy uh, lawsuits that may come out of that because people's private information may have been exposed. Right. So you know, it's 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 a lot to discuss with a a, uh, a a. bonafide uh, cybersecurity insurance provider, but um, you would do well to have that conversation and build that relationship.
0: Agreed. And I think the challenge always is the fear of the unknown. Right. You know, it's like, I don't know what, I don't know, but I don't know what I want to ask the cybersecurity person. But if any company that has been compromised... They know, okay. I need to have something in place because, A, I don't want this to happen again. And B, I need to be in a position where I don't lose everything. Right. Because if a business loses its customer database and the scenario used with the tire shop, if they lose their invoicing, their supplier and everything like that, they don't have a business.
1: You're out of business.
0: You're totally out of business. And that's essential to you surviving right. the waves of the craziness that has been happening and will continue to happen right. because we know in business, there's those economic cycles, right, ups and downs and things right. like that. But now you have this other thing, the pandemic. And then the other thing behind that is the cyber attacks and all the stuff that comes with that. Right. So being prepared is best. That Boy right. Scout thing, always be prepared,
1: always be prepared,
0: <laughs> always be prepared. Right.
1: And another thing about being prepared is knowing what you have. So asset inventory. A lot of companies, unfortunately, don't know what items they have that are, you know, germane to their business operation. Uh, I mean, at, you mean, you can start just at home. Mm-hmm. You know, in our home, we have over 60 devices connected. Ouch. Yeah. And you just think about it and you go like, no, we don't have 60 devices. And then you actually pull up the listing and you see you have a smart thermometer, you have a smart ring, you have the smart TVs, you have the kids' gaming systems, you have your wife's, you know, uh, smart devices that, that she's connected. you got smart lights now. And so you have all of these um, Internet of Things that are connected in your home. Well, think about your business. Um, are you, do you have a bring-your-own-device policy? So that asset, is that asset being recorded? and then being tracked uh, in your asset inventory. And if you're tracking that asset inventory, are you making sure that that asset is up to date with the right um, versions and softwares that's being uh, deployed and rolled out on it? And if it is a BYOD, which is bring your own destruction, some of the bring your own device, but <laughs> but if you're, if you're allowing people to bring those devices in, it's at your own peril, but um, is it on an MDM, which is a um, management device uh, construct, so that, that the operations are containerized by using solutions that are out there that says this device is a trusted device and this application is now protected with encryption And a dedicated circuit that connects to our trusted um, business operation environment, even though they're using that same phone for their personal device. Mm But that – private privacy, I just just go, you know, you've got tracking that's going on in that. And and if you're also using it for a business, that businesses open themselves up to, you know, why is this person going to this smoke shop, you know, on the weekends, you know. Yeah. I mean, you just – Bring your own destruction at your own at your own peril. But true um, enough, I, I I advise against that.
0: <laughs> yeah, and you know you think about just what we talked about how when you bring your own device and you connect with the target scenario you gave, they connected the AC unit connected to the target right. Wi-Fi, and all of a sudden target was left right. open. Well, right. it's almost the same thing if someone brings their own destruction a device to. <laughs> to the office right. and they connect right. to the office's Wi-Fi or to the server or whatever, right. those vulnerabilities that are potentially on that device right. now lend themselves to be open on the company's right. server and network, yeah. which can be absolutely
1: right. Yeah. And, and I'm going to, I'm going to poke at my friends um, and their and they good friends, but my fruit truck partners out there, I know you're probably listening and going like, you know, this does nothing to do with me, but if you're swiping, Uh, using um, an application that's on your mobile device and that mobile device has a vulnerability, just think about what you just done. So now you've got payment card industry requirements and standards to whereby you have to protect that transaction uh, in accordance with industry uh, guidelines uh, for a transaction of a sale. And if you are on a device and that device that you have you use personally and you've got vulnerabilities on it, you are potentially opening yourself up to a lawsuit in which if there is uh, a leak of personally identifiable information uh, in which all of your, your transactions have been exfiltrated off your phone because of a vulnerability that's on your phone, can your can your food truck business you know survive that kind of lawsuit?
0: Mm. Oh, it th- makes you crazy. I, I don't think so. No, it can't.
1: And I, and I know you guys haven't thought about that, but uh, to all my food truck friends out there,
0: um, word to the wise. Undoubtedly, so they almost need a separate POS yes. system yes. that they swipe on there versus using the Square or whatever you inject into your phone. I wasn't gonna. I wasn't gonna
1: call nobody's <laughs> name because I don't want no. Well, Vic says square isn't it? No, Vic didn't say square. But, you know, there are solutions out there. So mm-hmm. so be careful.
0: Exactly. See, now that's a note I need to make. Because
1: right. yeah, okay. I, I know everybody's like, oh, that's,
0: yeah.
1: And I know, know everybody like, do I need to disable that? Yeah, you might want to disable it until to, you to figure out what you're going to do. Or
0: either buy a phone, unfortunately, a for just that purpose exactly. only. Exactly. OK. And Make that's that a, investment. Yeah. And it would be beneficial, too. It's just another thing to keep up with. Right. But you look at the long term. Right. What it can save you versus what it's costing, costing right you right now. Right. Undoubtedly. Any right. other last tidbits you can give our audience?
1: You know, I guess just coming out of COVID. Um, let's come out smarter. Let's come out wiser. Um, let's come out with a, a vengeance and a boldness of we are never going to do away with vulnerabilities and threats, but what we can do is be responsible. So, the first step in being responsible is awareness. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, October is cyber cybersecurity awareness month. Um, I encourage you to become a champion and participate in. The weekly themes that are you know associated with Cybersecurity Awareness Month, uh, find students that are in your community who are pursuing cybersecurity as a profession. Invite them to come in and join your organization and give them an opportunity to help you establish a written information security program if you don't have one. Uh, become a mentor, become a coach to encourage the next generation because they're the ones who are building this new construct. So if you think about uh, the way we conduct business today, uh, I dare say a lot of us digital immigrants uh, grew up with iPads, but our digital natives grew up with iPads. They grew up with this new um, ubiquitous uh, technology-infused society. And I always explain to uh the students that are in middle school and high school, the technology that you're using today will be obsolete in five years. So it's going to be a new platform and it's going to be a new construct, a new operating system and a new method. So to the degree that you can uh, learn a coding language and understand what the vulnerabilities are and how to protect yourself from it and don't give away your liberties in the name of, well, you know, everybody else is doing it. You know, that that's not, you know, that's not that's not everybody
0: jumping off the bridge. You're going to jump to right.
1: Yeah. Don't, don't be a lemming, you know, be be a leader, you know, right. be an eagle. Don't be like the pigeons. The pigeons always, you know, picking stuff off off the ground. And and just because everybody's talking and ticking, you know, doesn't mean you need to be talking and ticking. Mm-hmm. Um, be be uh, be aware that um, whatever you do in a digital space is forever. It does not go away. And it's the same thing with your business. Um, whatever you do digitally and you transact, uh, make sure that it's secured. Uh, another word to the wise is do away with single factor authentication. So in other words, if you're still banking or if you're still allowing people access to your infrastructure with just a username and a password, you may want to level that up to multi-factor authentication. And that's just, and I'll go ahead and use one of them, for example, um, Microsoft Authenticator or a Google Authenticator, or a Duo, um, add that of extra level of authentication to make sure that someone's not trying to gain unauthorized access to your services or to your website or whatever so that you can protect and build that trust. That's part of how we move forward is assume that uh, you've been compromised or you assume that there is no trust. They, all, they talk about this thing called zero trust. But it really starts with the, the human carbon factor We can do everything right uh, on the technology side and everything right on the process side. But if we don't take care of the people side, that's all for naught.
0: No doubt. Well, thank you, Vic. How can we get a hold of you if we want more information or to have you come in and do a cyber presentation for us?
1: Well, you can reach me out to me directly at Victor underscore Malloy at Yahoo.com. And I'll be glad to reach out to you and establish your relationship and get you started and, and build that relationship, or you can reach me through uh, my my nonprofit organization that I'm partnered with, uh, the Cyber Texas Foundation at Malloy at cybertexas.org, and, uh, and we'll be glad to set up a meeting and get you started.
0: Great. Thank you so much, Vic. We appreciate it. You all have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you. For more information about any of our guests, or if you have questions and comments, please email us at admin at PlemonsCPA.com. And don't forget to check out our website, PlemonsCPA.com, for upcoming events and workshops in San Antonio.
2: David B. Plemons CPA, Inc. is providing this podcast as a public service, but it is neither a legal interpretation nor a statement of David B. Plemons CPA, Inc. policy. You should always consult your own investment advisors, attorneys, and accountants before making any decisions concerning your financial matters. If you have any questions about this disclaimer, please contact our office.